1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Well, this episode of Ron Spomer Outdoors podcast has a theme song. While he's a big rock drummer, he's got golden fingers and he's loved everywhere he goes. He drums about beauty and he drums about truth. Hey, hey, hey. Jesse Kaufman, gun stock maker, engraver, and rock band drummer. Welcome to Ron Spomer Outdoors podcast. Thanks for having me, Ron. It's a pleasure to be here and talking to you. You're prepared a lot better than I was. <laughs> well, you know, as soon as I knew I was going to have you on, that song for some reason popped into my head. So I had to run with that. Hey, let yeah, me introduce you a little bit more, Jesse. Ladies and gentlemen, this uh, fellow we have on today, he and I actually almost grew up together. We just didn't know it at the time. But we're both a couple of country boys from South Dakota. And Jesse just had a lot more talent than I did. I was ahead of him. I sort of plowed the way, and it made it a little easier for him. But yeah, Don't forget the looks, too. Yeah. Don't, don't forget the looks. Yeah, right. He's a better-looking guy than I am, too. So. <laughs> what are you going to do? Oh, <laughs> but boy. He, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Here's the thing. Jesse popped out of this little farm back there in South Dakota and became a rock drummer for what, like 10 years, Jesse? Yeah, a little bit more. A little yeah. more than that. Yep. Yep. I think I played music for 14 years. 14 yeah. years. But he's also yeah. the South Dakota state trap shooting champion one time at least. All right. And yep, in 03, yep, in yep, 03 yep. I uh, broke 100 straight doubles. Yeah. And then he became an incredible rifle stock maker. And then when he got bored with that, using his artistic talents, which obviously he has plenty of, he thought he would take up engraving. And he is now well on his way to becoming one of the most appreciated, recognized, best gun engravers on the planet. And he is really dedicated to his work. This is going to be a fun interview because this gentleman is a real deal and he's the honest deal. And he's enthusiastic. He just loves his work. So, Jesse, you are located where now? I'm in Sturgis, South Dakota. Motorcycle mania. Yep. <laughs> motorcycle mania. <laughs> but you probably don't get into yeah. motorcycles too much. No, I used to have a little BMW years ago, but I thought, well, geez, if I have a wreck and hurt my hands or something, you know, maybe I better just get rid of the motorcycles. Oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> right. So, yeah. hey. Yeah. Right, right now, you are so dedicated to engraving firearms. You're mostly doing firearms. You do some knives, too, I suppose. Yeah, now and again. But really, the next year and a half or more is all solid guns. Yeah. It's just gun after gun. Well, what I think most people will find interesting, and at least I do, is that we all come to this because we're hunters, I think. 
you were a hunter as a kid and yeah. that's where your interest in firearms got started, right? Yes, sir. Uh, that's exactly right. Dad was an old regular guy, a farmer. He had a Winchester Model 70 and a Model 12 and a 94. <laughs> there you and go. That's what I grew up. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> now, I'm going to ask you if you did any jackrabbit hunting back there. Oh, yeah. With the uh, uh, BFW, uh, with the uh, American Legion, we would have those big rabbit hunts on Sunday afternoons. Yeah. I got in on the tail end of that. You would have gotten in on more of that than I would have. You're just a little bit older than I am. But yeah, we used to get 40, 50 guys rounded up a section and walk towards the middle. <laughs> you know, total gun safety on that. Oh, day. yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> everybody and we, shoot. Uh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but it's amazing I, nobody got hurt. I know it. It's crazy. <laughs> there by the grace of God, I think, is what all that was about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, you're right. Yeah. yeah when I was, yeah, when was, I was a kid, those big group hunts like that, I wasn't too crazy about. I only did one of them. I preferred to just go up with my buddies and myself or something, and we would yeah. hike those yeah, fields all day. Yeah. Pot them with yep, 22s yep. and such. Well, listen. Yeah, after it was you, so fun growing up in it. Yeah. Did you hunt pheasants, too? You had to have hunted pheasants. Oh, yeah. I grew up doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now, when did you get into trap shooting? Because for me, it was like, I'm not going to waste a shell shooting at a little clay target. I'm saving them for the birds. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, probably Tripp never had a trap club. That was probably part of it. You never got really into that because your community never had a trap yeah, club. That's well, true. Well, Delmont never did either, but Armour did. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, my oldest, or uh, the brother next to me, my brother Tad, he uh he introduced me to trap shooting. I was probably, I don't know, 14, 13, somewhere's in there, mm -hmm. uh, 15. And I just fell in, in, in love with it. I did. I, I just I couldn't wait to go shoot uh, you know, targets on Thursday nights. We only get to shoot 50 rounds. And uh, but boy, I just you can't imagine how that just I was so in, into that, you know. And huh. I just took it to the whole different level. I joined a Parkston gun club. Armor yeah. Gun Club, Geddes Gun Club, Mitchell Gun Club, and then we shot registered targets nationwide. So, wow, yeah, yeah. Good thing gas was cheap back then, and so uh, were shells and and powder. You know, yeah, no kidding. I don't think you can and targets. Today. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, you know, we used to go shoot when I was really into it, uh, eighteen hundred to two thousand targets on a Saturday. Wow, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah it was amazing. Well, that was just, uh, it, yeah. Can you? articulate what it was about it that was so attractive to you. I, I just don't understand. I mean, I enjoy shooting clays from time to time, tuning up for right. the pheasant season and stuff, but man, I just don't understand how you got so crazy about it. <laughs> it's a, trying to, to achieve perfection. You know, you can, you can break a 99 all the time. I mean, it won't, once the guy reaches that, that level, you know, uh, if first you start out with it, you got to break a 25 straight. Oh my gosh. When I did that, I was like, Oh man, okay. I can die and go to heaven. Now I broke my 25 straight. Well, then there's a 50 and then there's 75 and then there's hundred and then there's 200 and it just keeps going. The most I've ever done was 200 and I think 30 some straight. And you know what, as the world of trap shooters goes, that's, that's okay. But I mean, there's guys that are out there. They don't miss a target, you know, for wow. hundreds and hundreds, maybe in the thousands of single targets, they don't, they don't miss them. In, wow. in, in the singles event, your 16 yard yeah. line target. But so I would say it's about perfection. Always trying to see if you can break a perfect score, oh, you know, well. and see uh, that yeah. makes perfect sense. Knowing what you've done since then with guns, making those beautiful uh, gun stocks with 
Dakota. Tell us yep. about that. Yep. How did you get? How did you get from? Well, being a rock well, drummer to doing gun stocks. You know, I never really knew what I was going to do in life as a farm kid. You just kind of, you know, you kind of muddle through life and you think, well, I guess this is what I'll do. You know, dad farmed, all my brothers farmed, so I guess I'll farm. But I got, you know, drumming, I was in music when I was in, in a, a, a middle school and then high school. So it just kind of, uh, there was a, 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 a group. Well, I don't want to get into this too deep, but I mean, remember Janny Gross, Jan's band? Well, that's oh, who yeah. I first started playing with. Well, that's kind of was the start of that. And okay, so you try to do really good at drumming. You try to get all the notes right. And it's, again, it's about trying to be per perfect with something. And it's not that I ever was. Don't ever think too highly of me on, on, on that level, but you're, <laughs> you're always uh, striving for it, see? Sure. And I think when I, and then dad retired, he, you know, dad retired and he got a duplicator, a, a, a stock duplicator. And so we started making like duplicated uh, model 12 stocks and 870 stocks, stuff that was fairly easy. And that's where I got started checkering. Checkering is where I got started. That's what got me hooked was checkering. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then for to checkering, you got, how do you do this? So you figure it yeah. out and the first ones are a wreck, you know, just a disaster and you burn them. You don't <laughs> want the world to find, you don't want the world to see those, you know? Uh, and then, you, so then it was stock making, refinishing, well, checkering, refinishing, and then some stock making, you know, like I said, dad bought a duplicator and we would do some minor stuff. And then I met a couple guys that come out to our farm pheasant hunting. One of them was Ward Dobler. And you know Ward? Yeah. And yeah. So Ward told me, hey, you know, he said, gosh, you're pretty good checker. I work for Dakota Arms. We're, we're hiring. You know? uh -huh. Well, the rest is history. I went out there and I applied. I got a job and I started stocking guns, you know, learning the basics, uh, starting mm -hmm. at ground zero, level one, maybe level zero. Okay. Yeah. And working my way all, all the way through that, that company until I eventually went on my own. Uh, now, as an engraver, at, but. At the time, Jesse, did you realize that you were working for one of the premier quality rifle manufacturers in the country? I, I, I knew that they were high quality, but I had no idea who they were, really. It was just uh -huh. a place where you can go and make gun stocks and they hire yeah. people. And I liked the work. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. crazy to think that your first yeah. crack out of the barrel, you're working for Dakota Arms. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty impressive. I, Growing up, I never heard of them and ever. I would, you know, like I said, dad had Winchesters and, and, sure. uh, that's about when my brothers had Brownings and that was it, yeah. you know. Uh, well, so when you started making these gun stocks and, and doing the, um, was you, did you eventually do the entire stock, not just checkering it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, eventually, you know, uh, as time progressed and I got into Dakota and I learned that process, I was so intrigued by it. I was so interested in it that I, I bought a duplicator for myself. And mm. over the years, I bought a whole drilling jig so I could drill holes properly instead of using a lathe through a gun stock. And, and I can make my own patterns and I could duplicate my own patterns. And it was such a feeling of total creativity, right? And, and, but yet staying within the realm of that perfection again, your wood metal fit, the shape, uh, mm -hmm. you do a cheek piece or a teardrop. You want them carved perfectly. You don't want scratches on nothing. You want, you want your sanding to be perfect, the pad to be perfect, the ebony to be perfect, and 
all this stuff, your little sculpting, your edges, you want your edges to be very clean and crisp and sharp. And the finish is just one thing adds to another. And then that's what kind of got me maybe advanced to want to do more, like you talked about, uh, in engraving. And that was where Safari Club International introduced me to a few people. I got to go there with Dakota in Reno. Remember the Reno years? Yes. And uh, uh, and I got to meet Barry Lee Hands. Uh, he was now the president of our uh, Firearms Engravers Guild of America. He was like my second person that I actually met. Another guy that used to engrave for Dakota. Gosh, I can't remember his name right now. I, it slips my mind. Uh, anyways, uh, so I would see engraving at Dakota from mm -hmm. their engraver. I wish I could think of his name, but I can't right now. Uh, and that intrigued me. So going to safari clubs and seeing the world's finest people there. Wow, you know, it's it that, that was like, wow, I'm really nobody compared to what some of these people are doing with wood, with steel, with everything. It's just... How can somebody be so talented? Well, they just really work at it. And they work at it, and they work at it, and that's all you do in your life. You Pretty soon you don't hunt no more, you don't fish, you don't shoot trap. You just focus upon this stuff because you uh -huh. want to know how they do it. And it's never good enough. You know, you and I have had this conversation in the past. It's just there's always this drive for something better. Even the days when I would shoot trap and I would have a really good day or weekend, I would have a couple hundred straights under my belt that day. Which did not happen all the time, trust me. It was always a job to get there. But even if I break 100, I'd go, well, that's 100 straight, yep. But boy, I just about missed number 73 and 94. Boy, I just about <laughs> didn't get them. So even that's not good enough, see? You chipped one. Well, okay, you it's still broken. You got powder every but, one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you start grading your breaks. You know, well, that was a break, but it was a good break, you know. <laughs> it's funny how this all works, doesn't it? But it yeah, always really it, it's, it's it's all tied together. I think with what you can do with your hands, right? Uh, checkering your hand-eye coordination, uh, drumming mm -hmm. definitely hand-eye coordination. Yeah, absolutely. All this sure. stuff, you know, playing a guitar, engraving—it's all comes from your mind and then through your hands. It's an amazing thing to actually get to live that. It really is, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot that way for a writer. You know, you, you think of words, you put words together, they come out on paper and we get to enjoy stories. We get fingers. to go to, you come on your fingers now. Yes. And <laughs> I get to enjoy going to Africa with Ron Spomer because I can read about it. See, and I can look at the uh -huh. photos, even though I, I may get there one day, maybe not. I don't know, but, uh, for now, I'm just focused upon my work and trying to just do really good at what I know. And there's always some hole to plug. You know, as you're learning this stuff, because you never stop learning. It, it, it's always, yeah. it's always a challenge. Every single step along the way, I can never look at a job and say, "Well, that's going to be easy." No, it never is. Even if it's a something small, like doing a gift yeah. of a of a of a pendant for somebody, or a uh, or or a money clip, it's you, you still got this mindset. It's, it's got to be perfect or really good, you know. So, but that's the enthusiasm right there. Yeah. What well, does that ever stress you out? It seems to me like it would just drive you crazy. You'd be constantly worried about getting it just perfect and get stressed. How do you, you worry about? That? I always worry about gold falling out. <laughs> you know, you put <laughs> my teeth, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so you work extra hard at trying to make sure the gold is anchored very well in steel. 
because uh, I can only imagine what my mind, I would probably get sick to my stomach if somebody says, hey, my color case receiver, the pheasant on it fell out. Oh, you can't <laughs> fix that. The this receiver's been color cased. They're hard as marbles at that point. You can't go back in. So you oh, have man. to make sure along the way, not only that your work is pleasing to the eye, you know, aesthetically and from an engraver's point of view, is the flow is good, the proportions are proper, but on the other thing, mm -hmm. uh, that it is, uh, how do I say it? Like, I know what's going on behind the sheetrock, right? Like the carpenter knows what's going on behind the sheetrock because he built it. He knows what's behind there. I know what's behind the gold inlays on my work. And, uh, mm -hmm. man, there's some guys in the world that are putting this raised multicolored gold on gold. And it's like, wow, I hope that stuff never falls out of there. You know, even mm -hmm. if I'm not doing the work, it's just a, that's what bothers me. I think is that, that, uh, I want to be able to do it in a timely fashion, but you got to throw the yeah. clock out the window. Uh, you never know oh, how long man. it's going to take. You can guess. Say, well, it's going to well, take me 200 hours, you know. That, well, how long would it take? Let's say a, a typical, uh, let's go with a bolt action rifle. There's not a lot of steel compared to a shotgun sidewall or something. So, right. how long would it take you to do an engraving with a little bit of gold inlay stuff on a bolt action? Well, if it's just like basically gold wire and no, no gold inlaid animals and no seams, uh, so you, you, you get something that's 60, 70, 80% coverage all depends, you know, how much coverage you want. It can range from probably by the time you blueprint the action, because I don't draw on the metal, per se. I do with English scroll, but I do not with, with metal, or with uh, American scroll. I, I have a blueprint of the part. Matter of fact, I have a, mm -hmm. you probably can't see this very well, but this is a transfer ready to cut for a Ruger yeah. single six made by, uh, uh, it's customized by uh, 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 Hamilton Bowen, you know, from, but this is the gun that it's going on. Now, see all that gold in there? All, all the borders have gold. This is the current gun that, I, yeah. that, I'm, that I'm working on. Yeah. Now, I, for I the folks who are just, that. yeah, Jesse, for the folks who are not watching this on our YouTube channel and are just listening to the podcast, I will explain that Jesse's holding up a revolver. It's a single six, right? Yeah. single yep. six. Ruger single and he's six. engraving that. So of course, what he has is it's in the essentially it's in the white. It's raw steel. Yeah, that has to be finished later. But he's got to do yep. the engraving while it's still in raw steel, right? So yeah. So I've been working on this gun now for uh, I can give you the exact day that I started on it. Uh, uh, see on four fifteen. So April fifteenth, I started on. I think that's right. No, no, no. April seventh. Sorry, I was card number two. April seventh, I started on that gun, and this is what May fifth today. And so yeah. I've so got how many hours got, a day? Well, it all depends. You know, I got things to do. You got somebody's got to answer the phone, or you got to run downtown, or you got to get put right. gas in the wife's car, or something, whatever the thing is. Uh, I have uh, ninety four hours into this gun so far. And I put in a little over $7,000 worth of gold. Well, that's oh kind of misleading. Gosh. Yeah, I mean, it's gold is put in by the inch. That's how I charge. Because I've got a gold mm -hmm. buying license, and I buy gold, and I charge so much an inch to put it in. And there is, uh, uh -huh. uh, right now there's, well, there's 75.5 inches of gold in this gun. 
75 inches of gold in this gun. Now, you wouldn't think you could put that in here, but I'm telling you, it's there because I measured it all out. Like, you know, you got to keep close tabs of this because otherwise you, want, you, know, you don't want to lose money. Uh, yeah. So, well... Let me let me ask you this because where we're going with this is I'm I'm imagining most people listening to this are saying, why would somebody spend that much money just to <laughs> embellish a functional firearm? I mean, you get this a yeah. lot, and I understand oh, yeah. it. You know, just being a a blue collar guy, a farm kid, you know, it's like I want a gun I can afford that's going to work. Yep. It's got to be hardy and tough, and it's got to function. Yep. And all this fancy stuff, you know, but that's just for those rich guys, kind of a thing. What is it? about now this is obviously going deep into the human psyche that we want this kind of beauty and embellishment have you got a good handle on what it is in the human psyche that would spend that kind of time and money and even from your perspective as a worker obviously you make money or you, you right. want to make money yeah, doing yeah. the work yep. but you obviously appreciate and enjoy it as well so why do we put that lavish engraving on firearms a functional tool I think it's just people that really appreciate art and basically only people that are in the gun world do this. I mean, I don't, I, I couldn't imagine somebody who hasn't have a full blown passion to own firearms and then embellish them. I know that's kind of a, a the wrong answer for you there. I, I don't really know why I, I, I don't know. Maybe they just, they have money to spend a lot of times. I, I think, you know, gosh, that's, and I'm always constantly about that with the customers. I'm going, well, we, yeah, we could do that, but boy, that's that's going to be a lot more money for that, you know. Well, that's all right. We'll just just you know, we'll we'll do it. You know? And you treat mm -hmm. them right. You're honest about your delivery times, and you do your absolute best to stay within your quotes. And they keep coming back to you for more and more. I mean, I don't have that many mm -hmm. clients, really. I mean, I got the same group that keeps coming back. Uh, I don't know if that's really quite what you wanted to hear on that end of it, but uh, I don't know, Ron. I, I don't know. They just love art. And uh, maybe that's the passion that I have that they just can't do it. Maybe they just can't be well, an engraver. Yeah. Well, that definitely has to be that. It must be. There's more to it, though, Jesse. There's this connection between the aesthetic of the art itself and whatever aesthetic appreciation one gets out of a fine firearm, one that's balanced, one that fits you as a trap shooter, you'll know this, you know, you don't yeah. just use any trap gun. Right. You've got one, have one that's balanced and fits. And, yep. and you, you hear of people have pet names for their guns yeah. because they fit them so well. And it's just like, it's, it's my right arm. If I point in that general direction, it's going to hit it just yeah. because it's a part of me. Yep. And you want that then enhanced by something else that's extra special. I don't know. It must be like putting jewelry on a beautiful woman. I think they really don't need it. It's gilding the lily. But that's a good way to put it, Ron. Yeah, absolutely. You just answered that question yourself, and that's, that's good advice for me because you know there will be times I have people ask me, "Why would anybody put eight thousand dollars in a six hundred dollar pistol?" Well, I guess it's none of their business. I mean, it's the person that owns the firearm. <laughs> really, you know, I don't have an Audi or a or a uh, or a Mercedes. You know, but people buy them every day. I have a Toyota pickup okay. and it gets me where I'm going. Maybe so, you know, people have different interests. I, I, I would imagine. Yeah. 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 That's <clears throat> lucky for you that they have an interest in expensive engraved firearms. Yes. Huh? <laughs> you know, and that's, that's the other part of this whole entire journey of my life as a farm kid and yours as well. 
you know, you, you meet people along the way and they help you. I can't tell you how many folks have encouraged me. And it comes right down to your own circle of friends, mainly my wife and my kids, who do see the struggle. And it's not always fun and games. Most of the time, half the time, it's it's a real battle. Uh, you and I have shared really? emails and texts, and I'll say the, the battle is real. You know, I go to bed and I can't sleep some nights. How am I going to do that? <laughs> I, how am I going to do that? I have no idea. Yeah. Every shape is different. You can't you can't use the same design on every revolver. You got to use something different, right? Yeah. And so you got to try to think of this creativity, and I I struggle with that desperately. And so hmm. I just settle with with what I know. And I keep repeating my style and that's okay. That's why my customers come to me. They like that style. And that's, that's good Mm -hmm. for me. That's good enough for me. You know, I'm not this guy or that guy and they're not me, you know? So I am picking up that you've probably got an innate in sense of the aesthetic of balance. So when you're looking at a metal piece of a firearm, you take into account, you don't just say, well, this is going to have a buffalo on it and and a little bit of leaf scroll or something on the sides. You consider the curvature of the piece, the balance of the piece, where the weight is and how the engraving is going to enhance that or detract from it. And I mean, those are the, the creative things that must just be inherent in your mind or in your aesthetic. They are, but they also, whenever I look at a, at a firearm to engrave, uh, if it's something different or unique, I think, how am I going to get my graver in there? So I can't do what I want to do there because I don't know. I don't, I don't think I can, you know, reach that area in there. It's not God, all, yes. it's not all just, uh, there's other things to consider or, uh, in this case on this Ruger, I mean, uh, basically we had to send the cylinders back to, uh, Hamilton to draw them back a little bit. Uh, they were so incredibly mm-hmm. hard to engrave. I, I could engrave them, but I really had a hard time with inlay. It took me three days yeah. to inlay uh, 15 and a half inches of gold on a cylinder. Well, that's ridiculous because I kept breaking gravers, and that's where the frustration comes in. you got to control that mental yeah. uh, where you want to throw your stuff across the room. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, uh, I know that sounds maybe odd, but it really happens. Uh, and it's sometimes often, you know, uh, the more you're sharpening gravers on those diamond laps, you're really not in the steel. So you're not really making chips, which means you're taking more time against the quote. And uh, I don't worry about the quote so much. I, I don't, and I don't mean to bore your customers with that, but it's all part of it. Yes, aesthetics. Yes, creativity. But yes, you also have to make a living. Maybe I'm not going to say you ain't going to make a killing, but you got to make a living. And, you know, you have to you have to work through it all. And uh, and that's not a bad thing either. It helps you how to solve problems, which that's what we've been doing since we were kids on the farm, you know, solving problems. Yeah. Well, that's that's understandable, Jesse. Let me ask you this, though. <laughs> you know, speaking of frustration, are I obviously some rifles or shotguns you work with would be more frustrating than the other. But I'm always wondering is, is it possible to engrave and do people have engraved particularly small rifles or are they always, you always think of the big African rifles on there, you know, 458s or 470 nitros, those get engraved. 
probably yeah. because people who can afford those kinds of rifles to go hunting in Africa could afford the engraving. <laughs> but yeah. but yeah. one of a guy has a 22, uh, like a beloved lever action 22, or even a slide action 22 from back in the early 20th century. Is it possible to engrave those? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, my first rifle engraving was a Model 90. That's a, that's a pump action 22 Winchester. Huh. Uh, Model 90, right? Or is it a Model 62? 60? No. Yeah, there was 60. a 62 yeah. pump action, yeah. Okay, maybe that's what it was. 62, I'm, I'm sorry, it wasn't a Model 90. It was Model 62 Winchester. That was one of the first guns that I did. I, it was absolutely. Uh, 22s, uh, you know, there's a lot of companies now, or a few companies making the nice, beautiful little falling block mm-hmm. 22 uh, long rifle. Man, they're fun. Yeah, you can, you get to do nice little cool uh, squirrels on them and rabbits oh, yeah. and nice little fine scroll. Oh, yeah, you bet. And then you can also engrave, I think the biggest gun I've ever engraved was a 600 Nitro Express. Really? In a falling block. Yeah. And that's challenging because there's a lot there to engrave, you know, and you got to kind of think bigger proportions. Uh-huh. And uh, you still want it to be balanced, like what we're talking about. And there's a budget to consider. Yeah. So, yeah, you can engrave anything, but you, you, uh, no matter what the size. You is. probably didn't put a tree squirrel on that one, though, did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But I, uh, there are stories floating around about some engravers that got a, a receiver mixed up, like say two Dakota Model Tens. He just got them mixed up, and he put an African scene on a twenty-two <laughs> and, a, and a rabbit on like a three seventy-five. You know, <laughs> I actually know that for a fact. It wasn't me, but it. <laughs> so that's where you learn the term surface grinder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah surface grinder becomes your friend when you make mistakes oh, that's the only eraser we got <laughs> how long have you been doing this engraving uh my very first engraving was on a practice plate was in 2011 so what 11 years ago yeah, roughly wow yeah. you've made some rapid yeah practice. i i well, you know, I, I took a class from a master engraver in Missouri, uh, Recover, was my mentor and my teacher. Mm-hmm. And I went down and I took a, uh, a beginner's class with him. And he says, wow, you're really pretty good at this. And then he found out that I checkered. Uh-huh. Well, he said, well, that's why you have a good hand-eye coordination. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you know, and I think just the passion of it. I did all the books and I, every moment I had in my day was, was drawing, was figuring out how to draw. And learning proportions, and it's that it never ends. Wow. You always have to consider proportions mm-hmm. all the time. Like you can't put fine scroll on something huge. I mean, I suppose you could, but it wouldn't really be proper. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't take a beautiful picture of a bird like you've taken so many great photos and just sticky tack of eight by ten photo on your wall. You want to put a frame around it, right? There's things you gotta do that are proper. Mm-hmm. Uh in that respect. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier the uh, Engravers Guild, I think you called it. Yep. So it's obviously yep. a, a, a guild is a, a collection of individuals who are engravers. It's not the Gunstock yep. Makers Guild. It's the Engravers Guild. So they could be engraving other things. Yep. Yep. They could be engraving watches or knives or any metal object, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there are some incredible watch engravers on earth. They're like... They're like a jeweler. They are so incredibly talented. Mm. And man, they can get small. Oh, oh my Lord, they can get small. Jeez. <laughs> and and not, not only small, but terrifically 
executed complex engraving. Wow. Small. And uh, I just can't get over it. That's what blows me away. And then you said you went to a beginner's class. So other engravers are yep. offering to teach people how to do it. So obviously there's yeah. there's a demand out there. This cannot there cannot be that many engravers making a living at this. But you can make a living. No, there's not. You you, you can. Yes, it it helps for me. It helped for me because I had a lot of clients already as a stockmaker. Okay. Uh, it really started because I worked for Dakota Arms uh -huh. and I got to go to safari clubs. That was the key for me. I would have never been exposed to that had I stayed on the farm back in the 80s and never left Douglas County. Mm -hmm. I would have never known any of this. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important to get out, you know, and see the world and, and experience other things that are good for you So you're, and that are creative. So, yeah. Yeah. Did that, uh, your work, work as a drummer in those rock bands obviously took you around, right? It did. It did. Yep. I, I got to learn a lot about drums and, and uh, drum heads and cymbals and all that kind of stuff, you know, uh, along with, with what encompasses being a, a full-time musician, making a living at that, which is not easy. Hmm. Uh, if it was, everybody would do it. And yeah. it is a very destructive, it can be just a destructive way of life if you get into bad stuff. And I was so thankful to have good parents and had a good upbringing to stay away from all the garbage that's out there. Oh, I bet and it's there, as you know. Oh yeah, I mean, that's, you know, anybody uh, who thinks of a rock drummer figures he's out uh, doing drugs all the time and he's just debauchery yeah, constantly. Yeah. <laughs> but you you resisted yeah, that, huh? Yeah. I did, you know, because I had other things in mind. I I didn't look uh, a year in front of my face. I was trying to look down the road four or five years, and I still do that to this day. You know, I'm 56 and. Uh, I always remember a saying from Pablo Casells, who was a famous cellist. Uh, he was at, he was interviewed by, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Time Magazine, I believe. And they asked him that he was ninety years old when they interviewed him. He said, "Why are you?" They said, well, "Why are you still practicing six six hours a day at age ninety plus performing?" He says, "Well, because I think I'm beginning to get this stuff." And uh, so that gives me hope. If somebody like him has to do that, then this this farm kid's got a long ways to go. So there's always that that encouragement, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Well, if someone yeah. out there were yeah. interested in this, how does how does somebody get started? Is it worth say a young person who really likes to work with his hands or her hands? Can they consider going into something like this and making it a career? Well, they can, but they got to totally shut off almost everything else in life. Really? I, uh, I've known a lot of trap shooters, right, in my life. And uh, a couple of those guys were, a few of those guys were really, really good trap shooters, way better than I'll ever be, or ever was. I don't really hardly shoot that much anymore. But uh, they wanted to get into it. I said, well, that's fine. You you can. I, I can show you. But if you really want to be good at it, you got to put that aside. You got to put that aside and that aside. Because it consumes you. It's all you think about. You have to be doing this work, whether it be with a pencil on paper or with your mind every day. Mm. And I mean every day. You don't really stop thinking about it. I get in a, a new gun and I put it on the on my little towel on my bench over there. And I look at it for a couple of weeks. I just look at it, turn it over. And I think, well, okay, I'll worry about that later. you know. But your mind's always kind of working on it, for God's sake. But yes, they can go and... Uh, you can go online and type in engraving schools, and uh, there's a host of people out there that will introduce you to it. 
Uh, and most of these schools are really, really fun. I, I, they're extraordinarily fun. And I think for anybody that wants to get into it, don't look at it. Don't get into it as a business. Get into it as a hobby. I, I believe that you'll have so much more fun with it. Not that I'm not having fun, but as anything in life, my hobby for myself, my hobby became work. It was that way with checkering. It was that way with finishing and gunstock making and now engraving. But that's just the path that was, that was chosen for me. And I'm thankful for that path because it's brought me so much joy. And anybody who wants to, they can definitely get into it. You can come see me and spend an afternoon with me. You know, nothing about me, uh, but at least I can show you kind of what's involved in this stuff, what you got to have, what you got to kind of get started to. There are several companies out there that offer uh, tools, that offer schools, show you how to, how to use them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, and, and also, it's kind of like you, you, you build lifelong friends with this stuff. It's a lot like our hunting partners, right? I'm sure you've, you've known people your entire life that you've hunted with, and that's your people. That's who you associate yeah. with mostly, and you feel comfortable around them. That's how the engraving world is when you find your group of people in mm. that world that you really respect and uh, that are not arrogant. We Nobody likes anybody that's arrogant. Uh, they just don't. Uh, it's good to be just honest about yeah. your qualities. I'm not the greatest engraver that's ever been by any means. I, I struggle with my work every day. I always hope to do better. Always strive to do better. And isn't yeah. that all of life? <laughs> yeah. You know, Good. we're not designed to sit down and do nothing. Well, there's plenty of people who you manage know? it one way or another, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. But I, um, I know there's a lot of questions. But Well, do you have any of your engraving candy that you could hold up for folks who are watching this on YouTube? Nothing. You know, the only thing I have is this, is this. Yeah. It's. uh as soon as it's done, it's got to be shipped off to get out glued door, or case colored huh? or, or whatever. So, yeah, you got to get it out there and you got to invoice. So you get money and then you got to get on the next job right away. That's where I'm at here. I have several guns in the house, but nothing is being worked on yet. They're all here, you know, and nothing's Waiting being engraved time, except man. this this revolver. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't even have anything of my own. I don't have one gun of my own engraved. Uh I have a standard Ruger Model 77 for my hunting rifle, and I got an odd six and a Winchester Model 70. Uh, I have a couple Browning shotguns that I hunt with. I got a Remington 870s, my pheasant gun, yeah. you know, that I've had since like 1979. So I'm, I'm as common as, some, as you. You're going to put some I'm, gold engraved pheasants on that one. <laughs> that's got to be no, your. Oh. I don't pay nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you I mercenary. Don't <laughs> I know it. You know what though? Here, here's the key. At some point, I've been blessed with a, a very good wife, and she's got a good job, and I've got good customers. And we're we're not frugal people, but we're responsible people, and we live within our means. And someday, God willing, I can reach a point where I don't have to work for other people all the time. Then look out. Then I'm going to be putting out stuff of my own that. I always wanted to do. And I'm looking forward to, to those days. I really, really am. Uh, yeah. I look forward to these days too. I, I won't dwell on the future that isn't here yet when I can enjoy what's happening right now. It's so oh. important to get to yeah. know these people. You know, it's wonderful. They're all good friends. They're, my, my customers are good folks. We, we uh, get together now and again. And it's not all about business by any means. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I are prime examples of that. I mean, gosh, you're such a good guy to visit with. Whenever you're around, I feel so comfortable when yeah. you're in our shop or when we're out in your, if you come to town, you know, and, and things wow, like that, that. It's all part of it. Yeah. But then you and I, as we started this off talking about us growing up near each other, we, we've yeah. got such similar backgrounds. So it's really yeah. easy. It was just like one of the old high school buddies of mine or something, even though you're younger by yes. several years. But that, yep. that is, yep. and it, it is, but you are so easy to talk to because you're so honest and straightforward and you're so enthusiastic about what you do that it's just so easy to be friends with you. Well, it's, it's what I want to relay to people of, uh, you know, don't pass up things in life that you think you might want to try because you get a lot of joy out of it. And yeah, life should be full of joy. The li- life has its share of problems. We all know that. Yeah, We've all been bloodied in the nose a time or two with things in life. And this yeah. gives me such great joy to be able to talk to you about the, the, the fun that I have and the passion that I have for this stuff. It's very unique for me to be coming from a background like you and I did come from yeah. where you don't want to have it too good. You know what that's all about. You don't want to be better than your neighbor because yeah, that's not how that works in a small community. You gotta, so it's fun. And, and I, I, I so appreciate where I've come from and knowing folks like you and all the people that I've been enabled to engrave for yeah. and to continually get up and work in my shop. It's small. It's just a small shop, little bitty space, but you don't need a computer and software to write a novel. You need a pencil and a piece of paper. Really? Yeah, good point. <laughs> and, and that gumption that you've gotten sticking to it. Yeah, that I comes sur- from I- my wife. <laughs> my wife does this, get down in the room and get to work. <laughs> no, no, she don't say that. But encouragement, encouragement. When you do struggle yeah. and, and you don't really get much time off, the last uh, vacation I had was last July. You know, oh, you've got that problem too. What's yeah, a vacation yeah, you, really like? What is what do you do? Well, on a for vacation? me, it's I like to go to the Low Country in South Carolina, outside of Charleston, a little place called Edisto Island. My really? closest friend, one of my closest friends, is Mister Ted Ford, and he has a beautiful place right on a tidal creek in a boat, and yeah. it's private and it's quiet and it's just so gorgeous there. And Ted is and his wife Rosemary are such wonderful people, uh, and I can really regroup there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can I can go there and I can not think about this stuff and let my mind just do something else for a while, you know, because this is all you're. You got the same problem. You if you're a writer and you got to make a living writing, most of your days are spent thinking on writing. I don't care who you are. That's how that works, and that's the yeah. only way you're going to make a living. You yeah, can't work to shut an eight to five job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people say, "Oh, you got to get on a schedule, go to work at seven, and be done at five. Well, <laughs> kind of like farming; it don't work that way. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how many times <laughs> anyway. have you been up at? How many times have you been up at midnight working while you're horizontal, because you're thinking yeah. all the time? Yep. Yep. And yeah, exactly. Yep. Or. And then there's a whole host of other things that you got to do in, in life. You know, you like, I got to stop and mow my lawn, you know, because I'm just, I don't want to do that because I'm right in the middle of something here. But you got yeah. to. You have mm-hmm. to do that. My wife makes me do that. Go take the dog for a walk, you know, so that you can get out and clear the mind a little bit, you know. 
Yeah. Sure. Uh, things like that. We, we, uh, we, we, we like to go for little drives up in the hills in, in the summertime, you know. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife's a school teacher, so from September through the end of May, there's no going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and that's a good thing. You get a lot of work done. So. Yeah. Boy, that's for sure. And I think one thing that perhaps not enough people understand is when you're working for yourself, you are a slave driver. Because you, you don't have, have the be, option yeah. of, of saying it's not a nine to five. You don't just, okay. Work is done. That's over there. Now I'm going to go enjoy my weekend with my friends and family. And that weekend, even if you don't physically do a project or write or engrave, you're thinking about it anyway. And you know, I've got a deadline. And yep. if you have a deadline and you haven't met it yet, and it's on Monday, you're going to have to work on Saturday and probably Sunday. You so. see, that's where you have it a lot rougher than I would have it because you do have those stringent guy, uh, deadlines. I, I allow myself, I've, figure in some buffer, you know, like, well, it'll be spring, you know, <laughs> something like that before I'll get, it, it, I won't get started till probably early fall, you know, give yourself uh -huh. that, but you got to have these deadlines. And so I appreciate that you understand all this stuff and allow people like us to, to somehow, if we can relate that to other folks, it's very interesting. Work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, and then I think you especially get to take satisfaction in knowing that the work that you've done is not just going to be cast off uh, like yeah. so many people do things that you just use it and it's used up and you pump the gas and you change the tire. And then the next week you change somebody else's tire and that's thrown away. Yeah. The yep. things that you produce are going to be around for a long time and they're going to be appreciated for a lot longer than most things in our culture these days. Throw away culture. You're making things of permanence. I mean, yes. you probably know some engraved firearms from hundreds of years ago. Oh, yeah. You know, when I got to go to Germany the first time in 2014, my good friend Hendrik Fruhauf is one of the best engravers in all of Germany. And I'm so thankful that he's my friend because we got to go to the Coburg Castle in Germany where there's like a 1,000 or 1,200 guns from the 1400s, the 15, well, 1500s. Wow. 1600s, seven, and they're beautifully done. You can't believe what they've done to these guns four or 500 years ago. It's, yes, you're exactly right. It, it's, it's quite something. It lasts for a long time, forever, actually. Yeah. 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 But, uh, oh, that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Yep. Very interesting. Well, listen, Jesse, we're probably going to have to ring off here, but, uh, I, I want to thank you for what you do and for the, your enthusiasm and your willingness to share it with so many of us. Yeah. Folks, if you get a chance to check out engraving, do you have a website, Jesse? Or I do. It's, people uh, contact you? yep. It's Black Hills Gunstocks uh, and engraving.com, I think. I had to look at my Black business Hills, card now. Yeah. Well, we'll look it up and we'll put the words on the screen here for yeah, people who see yeah. this on YouTube. And Yep. Yep, but if you, if you get a chance, folks, check out his website and see some of his work, the examples of some of his engraving. Um, and even if you, you're one of the pragmatic people like me who said, oh, I'll never buy anything that's engraved because it's, you know, it's fluffing <laughs> stuff and I can't afford it anyway. But, you know, you come to a place in life where you maybe have saved up some money and you really have a, a firearm that you have appreciated. Maybe it was your first Maybe it was your dad's yeah. or your grandpa's yeah. even, and it becomes this family heirloom. And you think, you know, this thing is so special that I want to honor it and our family heritage and our hunting heritage by having it embellished by someone like Jesse, whether it's putting a, a really fancy new stock on it or 
getting a little bit of engraving with a little gold inlay, you know, maybe yeah. that a squirrel because that was the first animal you took or a pheasant flying yeah. because that was the first bird you ever shot. That's, this is what I think drives us to want to see our firearms embellished. And with artists out there like Jesse to do the work for us, it's just really tempting. I think I'm going to have to go through the gun vault here and find something <laughs> for you. <laughs> well, you know, I don't have a single gun engraved for myself, not one. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I that's okay. I hope, you, I, I, yeah, I hope you rectify that. I, I want to thank you, Ron, for always being my friend all these years, these recent years, and uh, that you've always uh, basically tooted my horn, you might say, you know, with the public. Wow. And, and uh, I cherish our, our friendship and, and these, these little times like this. And I really, really enjoy it when you just stop in on a whim, you know, have a cup of coffee, yeah. visit, get, get caught up. That's, that's always fun yeah. stuff, too. Yeah, we're about due for that, too. So you better get yeah, out this way or... Yeah, <laughs> but I'll try to get back over Sturgis Way and, and visit you again as soon well, as I can. But you bet. Uh, Good luck in Africa here. That's coming up in September, is it? Yep, yep. September we'll be over there doing it again. I can't, can't get enough of that place. It's pretty special. Yeah. And you've got yeah. to go along one of these years. I, I, I will. You just got to live longer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Take your vitamins. Take quit your smoking. Vitamins. Stop yeah. drinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh well it's all in fun isn't it but uh i wish the best for you over there and maybe have a good hunt a great experience with lots of memories for your for your heart to, to look back on ah thanks so much jesse you bet hey, ladies and gentlemen that is that is jeff jesse kaufman good old south dakota boy and if you really want to see what a fine artist can do with a firearm check him out because it is quite an eye-opener and we thank Jesse for joining us on Ron Spomer Outdoors podcast. And uh, we invite you to subscribe to this channel, as well as our other YouTube channel, Ron Spomer Outdoors, where we cover guns and ammo and ballistics and more technical things like that. Um, also, you can uh, visit our website, ronspomeroutdoors.com. And on there is rsotv.com, a subscription service on which we have more in-depth reporting on firearms and hand-loading and hunting. So we're just trying to put as much information out there as we can that we've picked up and learned over the years and hoping that you can continue sharing with us with your comments because you folks know so many things that I don't and it helps me improve my education so that we can all share and improve in all aspects of our lives, not just the hunting and uh, the guns, but as you've seen here with Jesse, just our enthusiasm and appreciation of life. So this is Ron Spomer. Thanks for listening. Uh, hunt on us and shoot straight. search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv on mondays head offshore with captain scott walker and steve roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures coming to me coming to me coming to me double he's jumping he's jumping he's jumping oh oh look at that belly don't miss mondays with into the blue brought to you by academy sports and outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m eastern tell a few fish stories along the way on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment